Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Homeland. The show with its finger on the pulse returns for a new season starring Claire Danes, and Mandy Patinkin, the crisis in Washington continues with the attempted assassination of the president. And now, as the ultimate outsider, Carrie Matheson attempts to save a government heading off the rails while a resistance movement threatens violent revolution. Homeland returns with new episodes Sundays at 9 p.m. Download the Showtime app now to start your free trial. Sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan and I am the editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! Are we still doing the podcast? This feels awesome! This is so much better than losing! The Eagles won the Super Bowl, I'm sorry. This is us heads. Yeah. I'm sure you can find another pod. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Eagles. A couple we are going to talk yeah. about Cloverfield Paradox. We are going to talk about all the trailers that dropped yeah. during the Super Bowl. Halftime show. It's still a pop culture podcast, man. But it's important to know. But this is us. A lot of things died last night. <laughs> yeah. Jack from This Is Us. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows he died. Yeah, it's that's true. That's true. That's true. The uh, Patriots football dynasty. Potentially our professional relationship with the head of Bill Simmons He's Media Group. He's been very magnanimous. Very gracious. Send He's us some emails. Very, very gracious. And also the albatross around our civic neck oh, for our entire lives. This was a very important moment for us and obviously for our hometown that I cannot process. <laughs> I am really confused. And I feel like because people have been kind enough to come along a journey with us for mm -hmm. some time in this podcast, they can peek behind the curtain. They can know like the real neuroses. Sure, man. Go ahead. We spent so much of our lives watching this team. Yeah. Much of it together. Yeah. Hung over in bars and people's houses and dorm rooms and they sunglasses and Advil. They weren't ever gonna win. <laughs> yeah. And then they 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 won. <laughs> and I still don't quite believe it. And I think the first thing people need to know is you're thought of as a as a cerebral kind of kind of guy. Me? You know, you're a thinker, you're a writer, you're an editor. You can tackle. I'm pretty emotional. You can tackle. <laughs> My main memory from last night is Chris is Chris coming coming towards me like Malcolm like Malcolm Jenkins. <laughs> helmet on helmet to me. Yeah. In some images that have leaked from last night's party. Full disclosure, the video cannot be released <laughs> due to the language <laughs> that Chris uh, employed. Um, I'm on the ground, both emotionally, because I Did I knock floored. you down? Well, you, I thought it broke my nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And it would have been worth it. It would have been worth it. I didn't know it. that. A couple other things came out last night that we forgot about. You reminded me that I'm a terrible sports fan, especially when to you're watch fine. sports. You just with. get, you're just very dark. So like anytime, like yeah. nobody, if we didn't convert a third down, Andy would be like, well, that's it. Yeah. What a waste of time. Yes. Which is also <laughs> how I watched The Wire. Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> it's actually a transitive property. I am very pessimistic when it comes to uh, beloved characters. But look, this means a lot. Yeah, man. It's weird because... One of the things I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do a full put my arms around this thing. We love to talk about um, consensus TV shows. We love to talk about things that are shared experience. We we mourn the monoculture, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. 
Sports can be magic. Yeah, man. Sports can be really, Look. really dumb and really annoying and frustrating in all sorts of ways. But I got to tell you, last night and all yesterday, I was thinking about not just all the time we spent together with our various friends and roommates and and loved ones over the years, but people we went to high school with. Yeah. People that I just knew, people's parents, just people in the city that we came from, radio hosts, sports radio hosts who I'd listened to for hours, like my old guitar teacher when I was in ninth grade, like all these people had one thing in common and it wasn't me. <laughs> it was the Eagles. It was the Eagles, man. It yeah. does matter to a city and it's very emotional to actually just have that kind of joy and catharsis regardless of the state of your nose bone. Yeah, I don't want to get too weird and sentimental about this, but there's something very specific about football and football Sundays, about the seasonal aspect of it and the way that your week builds up to it and starts with it in some ways or ends with it, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, I, You know, one thing that just really hit me watching the game was this almost this flood of sense memory for all the time that I had spent with this team across your life across my life you inevitably think about like people who have passed through your life like you're saying like and even not even the people who have passed through your life but other people on that team or associated with that team mm-hmm. that you had a connection to or felt a connection to like even friggin' like you know Deshaun Jackson like you know what I mean or or Jim Johnson or people that you really were emotionally tied to that Brian Dawkins when you wait this long for something it's almost overwhelming to kind of process like I don't think I've actually processed it at all in some ways and one thing I will say is that it feels incredibly good it does feel good (laughs) and that I was almost like it was a real what do I do with my hands moment because (laughs) as a couple of the moments in the game like when we got the fumble on Brady in the in the fourth I like lost my mind and then I was like I think I'm actually having a heart attack. Yeah. And I, I, I think I said, like, 40-year-old guys have heart attacks. This is happening. Yeah. That was <laughs> – you did say that. It, you did look a peculiar shade of yeah. red. Yeah. You kind of looked like you – yeah, you went you know, sort of a Kansas City Chiefs color palette sure. over your entire body. Yeah. Um, I still feel paralyzed because, first of all, I'll be a TV critic. That was a great game. That sure. was great television. Bad – Bad color Holy commentating. shit, that takes a long time, though, but man. When you're like, involved in it, because like if you're oh, not, you can look at Twitter and maybe like it was. Oh my god! I mean, I I did look at Twitter and like did some nervous tweets, and I look back on it, and apparently when I am very hyped up on a game and maybe have had some some beers, I skip words in my <laughs> tweets <laughs> or I add words, you know, which I actually you had, wish they had the edit button. It's the only only Come on, Jack. <laughs> the only other time that happened was when our friend, who's also a dear uh, uh, and obsessed Eagles fan who spent a lot of time with us, Matt, uh, may have lent me an Adderall when I was trying to write my first book. <laughs> and I like wrote two chapters and I looked back and there were no no verbs. You know, it was just all adjectives for like three chapters. So there, there's a there's a common. Michiko Kakutani is just like this is great stuff. Was brilliant. <laughs> this is good stuff. There are a couple, yeah, a couple things that happen. The game never allowed us. This was fitting as Philadelphia fans. It never allowed us a moment to sort of process that we might win because it came down to a hail mary that yeah. I was sure they were going to win. And so moments later, we were stunned, and I was still waiting. And in some ways, I will be for the rest of my life to hear Al Michael say. And the Patriots take the field for the fifth quarter. Well, that's because Al Michaels sure and Chris Collins were spent the last 20 minutes of the game talking about the Patriots, even yes. though the Eagles were like on track to win it. But 
didn't you feel at any moment that it just was going to be take? It just doesn't. Seem I was terrified great. that like Tom Brady with two minutes left and all he has to do is score a touchdown and get a two minute two point conversion. Like I was, I was like, this yeah. is going to happen. You like, said this is what you. The only thing you didn't want to happen. Well, I because because it was like I would. I don't mind losing. Yeah, I don't want to be the Falcons. I can't. I can't be the just team. Just remember. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I can't go through that. That's yeah. too much. But that was too much. Just a little more of the pageantry. Sure, man. I do want to give our own personal Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor to Bradley Cooper, star uh, of Burnt. Seriously, man. Who, like, talk about a guy who's really come up in this world. I mean, to be in the owner's box with only the owner and his son on the other but side. He, like, if you want to know what Andy and I looked like last night, and yeah. not not in terms of like lustrous hair, speak for yourself, or or it, or or just apparel or anything, but emotionally. Arena Shake was with us as well for part Bradley of the game. Cooper was my avatar, man. Like yeah. that's what I looked like. He was I was passionate. like cry screaming, <laughs> <laughs> and and I was talking about being in burnt. In in what quarter of the game did he take the limitless pill? Do you think? In oh order my god! To, like I think he waited until halftime, and uh, then, that's a really good question. And then he unlocked the mysteries of Man of the Woods. Like he thought the new Timberlake <laughs> song was good. It was like exploding brain meme. Yeah, to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Great job by him. Great job by him. Great job by other local hero, Kevin Hart, for just trying to crash the field, being denied. Shout out to Joel Embiid for crashing after local news. post-game local news <laughs> fan interviews. Incredible stuff. This is, this is a wild moment, and it just feels, one of the reasons why we're so geeked up, it just feels so deeply on Philadelphia, not just to win, but to win in a shootout against the best team in history. Yeah. Uh, and then also to win with much of the country also rooting for you. Yeah. That's weird. That was strange. Uh, I found out that it's really interesting to see which allegiances go which way because mm. our buddy Jason Gallagher was still cheering against us as a Cowboys fan, which <laughs> is duly noted. That's fair. I'll remember that. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about Timberlake before we move on to some of the trailers we saw? Yes. Well, one of the best things about rooting for a team in the Super Bowl is the halftime entertainment becomes a lot less significant. Yeah. People were <laughs> like, what'd you think? And I was like, about what? <laughs> I know. I, was just, I just had I no take. I exchanged a word about it with your wife in the back hallway of the house we were watching yeah. because we realized we were the only ones too nervous to be in the room yes. and not stop moving. Um my wife was like, I've watched four football games. Is this what it's like? <laughs> I was like, no. Well, I think the last one was when I hosted the yeah. Super Bowl party 14 years ago. Yeah. Different outcome, different vibe. Chilly at both parties, though, I must add. It was as entertainment for the Super Bowl. It was fine, I think. I guess, yeah. It was, you know, the, the dancing was— I can dance his ass off. It was good choreography. The, the, like, it was entertaining. The dancing was good. Yeah. He has—and we should have worked this out ahead of time if we cared enough to do so. There probably is some— algorithm that you could create of like how many how many world-class songs or at least like room quieting songs you need to have in your catalog in order to qualify to even play the Super Bowl sure that's a really good question um so he passes that that he passes muster on that but there was something off about all of it which was kind of curious and part of what was off was the audio was weird I mean he was singing for much of it which is cool because that's hard to do especially Especially when you're you're doing that much dancing dancing, and there wasn't a a guest or a living guest, which we can talk about. Yeah, no features. Um, his new album is trash. Okay, which is also kind of surprising. Just haven't had if it's not an Eagles podcast, I really haven't had a chance to get into it's, it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's trash. Is it an Eagles podcast? It's, uh, <laughs> no, it is not as classy as an Eagles podcast. Um, so that's a weird thing, and at least he sort of acknowledged that by you know just doing half of one song from it underground before emerging to do the real show. Um. But there was something, I didn't think I was going to let this bother me, 
there was something just sour about a lot of it. And partly it was the Prince thing. Like, yes, if you're in Minneapolis, but then just do a cover of it. You know, I, there was all the, the controversy ahead of time, whether he was going to sing with a hologram and Prince's family was like, miss me with that. Mm-hmm. So instead it was sort of a half tribute. I don't think it, that apparently that was not, that was, that was fake news though. He wasn't really going to do Right, but they still responded to it. Oh, and did they? They okay. didn't just scrap the hologram at the last minute. Holograms gotcha. are expensive as shit. Like, <laughs> are they? Like, what's, yes. the, what's the market on that? We've been pricing it out just in case you had to take a vacation after your behavior last night. <laughs> a vacation. <laughs> like, you're dead. Yeah. But what a way to go. There was something strange about that, but the thing going on underneath the surface, now again, this is, when I say underneath the surface, it's mostly happening on Twitter, although our friend John Caramonica wrote about it quite adroitly in the Times, and so I think people should check that out. The subtext was watching Timberlake's whiteness work, basically. Why he gets a pass. In the Super Bowl? Yeah, why he gets a pass for what happened with Janet Jackson all those years ago. yeah. Why he gets welcomed back. Um, Why why he, and in many ways, and I, I would take it further, this album sort of crashing and burning has made me wonder, like, wait, why did he get a pass to be a global superstar in the first place? Like, he's semi-limited in a lot of ways. And should we be interrogating that? That, like, the best producers of our time, like Pharrell and Timberland, at the peak of their powers, were, like, shoveling him. Isn't it because he's a five-tool player? I mean, like, he can do all this. Is he? Yeah. I think he definitely. is a... That guy's charming. He's charming. That we, guy has like good songs and whether or not like, I mean, it's weird. Don't be a tourist about this. I mean, like I'm whether. Just, no, I'm curious. I'm just curious about. Nah, man. Th- he's was, a real like, he... I, 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 whether I don't really care one way or another about his music, but he is a real like, the proof is in the pudding. When you see him, you can tell that he has been training for most of his life yes. to be this person. And he can do a lot of different stuff. He can sing. He can dance. He can be sexy. He can be fun and, and like approachable and mainstream. Yeah. And I think that that's like he's trying. He tries every couple of years to do this. Like first it was like the suit and tie thing. And now it's more of a rustic man of the woods thing. And that's not working. Yeah. But I, I think that to act like he's some sort of like anomaly is weird like he's he's not a glitch like he is the system that this is this is actually how the music industry was supposed to work yes and always had work yeah i think that i I guess what i'm struggling with is a crippling hangover because the eagles won the super bowl but if you put that aside i would say it seeing him reemerge, and he is it's not just that he's a five-tool player. His career has been effortless. He glides through everything. He, gli- he glides through divisions between pop and R&B, between, between race, between parts of his career, mm-hmm. from boy band to adult superstar. And even he seems to have hit a wall in navigating what culture is in 2018, not just because his album is bad, but systems, I don't know if systems are changing. You said he is the music business, and you're right. He, he is what the music business is supposed the, to produce. Yes, yeah. But everything does seem to be in tumult, and I think that the old guard is the old guards appear to be struggling with that, you know. And so it doesn't seem to be working for me. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Um, Super Bowl halftime shows are hard, man. Like, what are the good ones? Bruce in our time. Bruce Prince, Prince. Beyonce. Yeah, Gaga was fine. And, 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 I, I, and, and I, Petty. Yeah, I, you're right. You need probably 15 songs to choose from. That people love. Like, if the Killers did it, I think you you would have enough Killers hits, and they could probably get away with putting together a a group of guests that would make sense. Guests, yeah. But there's not that many other bands or rock artists no, who out. could do it. You know, and so you're working with stuff. I think Jay could do it. Well, that that that's the next thing. When that when he went into the song that wasn't really a hit from the last record, Suit and Tie. Suit and Tie. There was quiet expectation in our room, oh, is Jay actually going to come out? Mm -hmm. The whole point is, I think, one of the things we're seeing here, this is sort of what I mean about 
him running into a brick wall. We know we're, we're asking that question, and we also know simultaneously that they will, the NFL, as currently constituted, will not have Jay-Z perform, even though he is 1,000% the next artist on deck to do it. I mean, he has the hits, he has the, he has the appeal, he can put on the live show. Right. It makes total sense. Right. But Jay-Z is also supporting Colin Kaepernick, who has been blackballed from the league. Mm-hmm. Look, I don't want to talk about any of this stuff on a day when the Eagles won, honestly, because... Sure, I guess you. Because I got a lot of problems with the NFL, <laughs> except for today and maybe last night. Parts I was of last incredibly night. supportive of the NFL at various moments last night. Yes, I, I know. Like, I feel like they're, the catch rule, they really figured it I out. I like, literally time. was like, way to go, Goodell, yeah. when he was handing the trophy. You were all in. Oh, how quickly they change. By oh, the way, man. yeah, small note. Jeffrey Lurie, man, you've owned the team for 20 years. I feel like you could have written some notes for a speech. You know? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, come they on, They also man. tried to cut him off when he was dedicating the, the, the trophy he's like, if I, well, they, he's like, if I may, I'd like to dedicate the trophy. And they were like, nope. Yeah. He's, he said hard no on that. Um, yeah, no, so look, let's get... There's only wanna... one legitimate halftime entertainment for last night, and that was Meek Mill. And unfortunately, he, he was... He did not, yeah. But he was, he was felt, if not seen. What if he had flown into the stadium on the back of an actual eagle at halftime. <laughs> just I'm just throwing it out there. I it's never too late. For the the parade's Thursday. Um look, we want to talk a little bit more about some of the pop culture stuff that came out of the Super Bowl. Yeah. So uh, it's always a big trailers night. So let's burn through some of them. I the 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 full Han Solo I don't know whether they're calling this a teaser or the full trailer. What does it even mean anymore? Um but the full Han Solo trailer came out this morning on Good Morning America. They had teased it last uh-huh. night. Um I would say that for me, uh, I'm still very excited to see this movie. Okay. I, I um, it's my my interest and affection for Star Wars movies are is uncomplicated and and pretty. It just after Last Jedi, I'm like I really like these movies. I just have to be honest with myself, and they're so fun to think about, and they're so fun actually. Like I'm really excited that there's so much turmoil in this because you're just mm-hmm. you get to see so many different elements of the entertainment industry at work, whether it's corporate, whether it's what producers do, whether it's mm-hmm. can directors force an unique vision onto what is uh, mass entertainment that's planned in a boardroom ten years in advance. And this is a really fascinating one. Obviously, uh, Lord and Miller were supposed to direct Han Solo. They were removed from the project by Kathleen Kennedy or left by mutual consent or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Ron Howard took over. There have been a lot of competing reports since then about how much Ron Howard wound up reshooting, what he wound up finishing, what Mm -hmm. he wound up adding or taking away. Obviously, Michael K. Williams was supposed to be in it and he was removed and now Paul Bettany is in it. Um, I don't know what roles any of those guys were supposed Mm -hmm. to play, but we finally got to see some of the movie because weirdly for a Star Wars movie, they've been keeping this one under wraps. It's coming out on Memorial Day. Usually we have... Uh, a teaser, oh, almost yeah. like a year out, I would say. It would have been something. And then about six months out, they start really hammering trailer, promo videos, mm-hmm. featurettes, posters. everything, posters. This has been one of the weirdest uh, run-ups to a major motion picture like this in a long time, all of which would suggest that there's a problem yes. in the movie. And there has been rumors to that extent. And there's been rumors that Alden Ehrenreich's performance uh, has, is really... Uh, he's made some choices and that... <laughs> Some acting coaches were, might have been brought in to mm-hmm. help him with those choices. And very tellingly, not a lot of Alden Aaron Rick in these. Well, in particularly these tar- in the Han teaser Solo teaser that was. Yeah, you don't even see him night. talking that one. He, you hear his voice at one point, yeah. you do not see his face. And in the trailer that came out this morning, he says two lines on camera. He says a couple things. Yeah, but otherwise it's voiceover. Yeah. I, everyone, people know, I love The Last Jedi. Uh, I love Rogue One. I. I feel very cold about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe it's good. We've talked we've talked before about how the scuttlebutt, which is, you know, we don't know what this is based on or if it's accurate sources, is that Lawrence Kasdan's script was outstanding, that Donald Glover is incredible, um, and that the chemistry between the two leads might uh, the two male leads might actually be quite good. It's a terrific cast. But there was something deeply off to me about this trailer, not because I was watching it in the middle of my third beer last night. <laughs> this was like the first ad, so maybe I shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't admit that. But when I watched the full thing this morning, um, I, I, I get the buttons this is pushing, and it's sort of the premise of making the movie in the first place. Like, there are people, and I do not mean to, to judge in any way when I say this, there are people who, when they see an image of Chewie with his arm around Han, are like, take my money, mm-hmm. just take all of it. And also, yeah, the, here's my the childhood shot of Donald Glover in a small gilded coat. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't feel that way. Like that's for me. That's that's action figure stuff for me. That I it doesn't leave move me one way or another. I, I would like to see a it's good about movie character for you. Well, I would like to see a good movie. Sure. Honestly, yeah, and Rogue One was, and Last Jedi was. Rogue One was pretty good. But but Rogue One was. We know what I mean. We know that it changed a lot. But Rogue mm. One was well done. It does seem like they followed some of the playbook in that the trailer, for whatever plot it suggests, suggests that it's less of an origin story and more of a first mission, right? Like, let's get this band together sure. and do something. Yeah. Um, so that could be good, written by Lawrence Kasdan. I mean, sure, why not? But there was something that felt off about it to me. And yes, a lot of it comes down to the fact that they are hiding the ball. Like, Han Solo, one of the most famous and charming characters in movie history, certainly one of the most influential. Whenever we talk about sci-fi or genre entertainment, one of our biggest criticisms is they needed a Han Solo. Yeah. You need the character to be able to be the avatar for the audience and, you know, and, and sort of squint in your eyes and say, what's going on with this guy? You need that. Yeah. Um, Aaron Reichman, terrific in Hail Caesar, a talented performer. I don't know. We'll see. We don't He's know. got a lot of help in this movie, man. He the, does have a lot, lot of help. A lot of charisma in the supporting cast. And I guess I, the only thing I would add is just how interesting it is to see, um, you know, Bradford Young shot this. He shot Arrival, I believe. Yeah. You know, and he, you know, he's a, a very talented cinematographer. And it was cool. I, I mean, a couple of people have mentioned this. It didn't really look like a Lord and Miller movie or a Ron Howard movie. It Correct. just looked like a new Star Wars movie. It reminded me a lot of Rogue One and some of the ways it looked and some of the the vibes. And it has, is more set in that era, I think, yes. of the timeline than, than anything else we've seen. Is- and there's a lot of consistent, there's a consistency to the look there. Um, I love the idea of it being a heist movie. I do not love the idea of it being Han Solo's old wound and what like the origin you know story is. I know it's going to be that. It's got because that's exactly what Rogue One was. There's like there's no possible way that this person would do anything yes, ex- ex- morally yes. upright other Say than this. the fact because there was something with their parents. This is the biggest right. fear. This is Greedo shot first the movie. Yeah. No, but it's but it's my dad didn't love me, so I became Han Solo. Yes, and my first love, the Mother of Dragons, it, it did not survive this movie. No, like obviously she's not in Star Wars. She's, yeah, she's, she's not, not in Star Wars. She's man. not in New Hope. Yeah. So it, this uh, this idea, this edict that yes, that every character, and this doesn't come from Kathleen Kennedy or 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 Alan Horn or or Roy Disney or whoever the hell is right. making these decisions. Or Walt. This is like <laughs> no, it did actually come from Walt. His frozen head in a <gasps> locker in Glendale was like <laughs> there must be a lost love. No, I mean this is. This is Save the Cat. This is like Robert McKee. This is the screenplay virus that has infected everything. There must be this emotional reason for people to be the way they are. It yes. can't just be like, it's fun because I'm a space pirate. Right. Um, I do like the point you made, though, and I think it's a really accurate one. One of the things that Kathleen Kennedy should get a lot of credit for since she took over the Star Wars franchise is they did make a decision with the CGI and the production design of what a Star Wars movie looks like. Mm-hmm. And this, all the successful 
genre franchises do that. Like the Lord of the Rings movies, whether you like them or not, there was a consistency to how they looked. Um, the Marvel movies, whether you like it or not, there's a consistency to how they look. The DC movies certainly as well, but not in a, not in a positive way in my mind. But these movies look like Star Wars movies. They look connected. Yeah. And that, okay, that's a good thing. Let's uh, quickly go through the other two trailers. We're going to spend the second bit of this podcast talking about Cloverfield. But yeah. the other two trailers that uh, are worth mentioning, Mission Impossible, Fallout. Fallout. It is. I am so in on this. Are we going to see Tom, Tom Cruise is going to die making one of these movies? That's part of the reasons they make these movies. I want to <laughs> say I'm so in on this. I've exited the back door, spun around the world, and entered again. Yeah. This is a great trailer. Yeah. Mission Impossible movies are good. That is an unimpeachable <laughs> take. Yeah. The only thing wrong with this movie is the title. The title should be much weirder, like Rogue Nation. Yeah. Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol is one of the Yo. all-time heat check sub like second titles. You need to take two words that have never been together before and you jam them together. Ghost in a, Brody. Yo, man. Yeah. This it looks movie great. should have been called Mission Impossible Viper Directive. You know what I mean? Like this should just be something <laughs> nuts. Fallout. The whatever. rise of Cobra. The only fine. <laughs> yes. Fold this into the G.I. Joe expanded universe, yeah. man. Put Tatum in it. The only thing I have against this is that because they are now making these more regularly, these, these movies began as like auteur test drives, right? Where like each one was handed to a different sure. filmmaker. John Woo, J.J. Abrams, yeah, Brian and De Palma. De Palma yeah. And each one was handed to Brad Bird. Each one was handed to someone different who basically reinvented it. Sure. There wasn't that much continuity. It didn't matter. There was no original wound it's for It's Macquarie Hunt. season now. But he's make, Macquarie is making his yeah. second one, um, and there are going to be... And, and he clearly, had done Jack Reacher. So this is now the... the third Tom Cruise film that he has directed. Correct? Well, did he direct? He didn't direct Valkyrie, but he wrote Valkyrie. He's he wrote Valkyrie. He's also, he directed Jack Reacher. He directed the previous Mission He has also written or one. rewritten every movie Tom Cruise has done in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, from The Mummy to uh, literally every movie he's brought in. They work well together. He made a great Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible movie before. I am less interested in the, let's pick up where our friends left off at the end of Rogue Nation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I like it when they bring in new people. Which clearly there's new cast, but whatever. It looks great. Monahan it looks like back. A, looks like a big action movie. It's Very fun. quick, Westworld. Nope. <laughs> Still no, man. <laughs> Sorry, like you can make pretty pictures of men shooting at robot bulls, but but wake me when you have a compelling narrative. I wake no, me when you have a, a hint of fun. I have no take other than I hope that Runaway by Kanye is the last time we hear a somber piano version of a pop song in a trailer. Not gonna be. Yeah, I know. not gonna be. That's the whole show's DNA is somber. That Westworld is the somber cover of a pop song version of a TV show. That's yes. what it is. Yes, and I, I don't see anything that's changed. That we'll get way more into I, Westworld as the months go by. Question for you before we get into yeah, what? sure. Am I gonna watch Westworld? No, just do you remember? Is there a human character that we're rooting for in the show left from the first season, or is it just Rise of Cobra? I think Ed Harris is the only human. Right. 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 I, yeah, Team Human, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. You don't even want to hear my Jack shouldn't save the dog take. Um, all right, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. We're going to talk more about Cloverfield. The Eagles won the Super Bowl. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Fun fact, unlike flights or other travel, hotel rates actually get cheaper at the last minute. In fact, Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book a room. No long, endless lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. Perfect for if you're busy or you don't want to overthink things. Plus, 
You can book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. Book next week, tonight. Book next month, tonight. Book Valentine's Day tonight. It's great for last minute getaways or a quick staycation, whether you're a planner or you like to leave things to the very last minute. And with Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app now. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by the Black Tux. You know, everybody wants to look as great as their date at a wedding or a special event. The trouble is there's no way to spend the amount of time or money that she did shopping for her outfit. TheBlackTux.com is your answer. With a high-quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered right to your doorstep. We've used the Black Tux before. Last year's Oscars, we were looking dapper. We looked great. We We were looking like men of the woods. The Black Tux is the easy way to rent suits and tuxedos online. The Black Tux lets you create your look or choose from tons of stylist-selected outfits. Suits usually retail for $1,200, but at the Black Tux, they start at just $95. Expert customer care has your back every step of the way. It's completely done online. And with the Black Tux free home try-on, you can see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before your event. After ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before your event. If anything is less than perfect, the Black Tux will send you a free replacement right away. When your event's over, just drop the rental back in the mail. Shipping is free both ways. To get $20 off your purchase, visit theblacktux.com slash watch. That's theblacktux.com slash watch for $20 off your purchase. Theblacktux.com. Premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. Andy, we back. The other big event last night, well, there was two big events. There was obviously This Is Us, which we don't really watch, so we can't really comment on. Uh, but we are interested in the... Pro- what? There was another big event. Su- Super Bowl? Yeah. This Is Us? Yeah. Cloverfield? Oh, that's the third. Yeah. I thought you were Xing out the Super Bowl from the narrative. Dude, come on. <laughs> you may, Maybe you had a stroke last night. You got really excited. <laughs> I think I had three or four of them. <laughs> so one of the first ads in the Super during the Super Bowl last night yeah. was for Cloverfield Paradox, which was... Originally a movie called God Particle. Yeah. Uh, directed by a guy named uh, Julius Onahu and written by Oren Uziel. And it was supposed to be this like space station sort of disaster sci-fi movie. And it was talked about a couple of years ago. The script had been cut, like kind of around. There was a lot of hype about it and that, that this was being made. and Everybody was really excited about it. And then there were rumors last year that God Particle was being sort of folded in to this Cloverfield Universe by Bad Robot, and that it was going to be Cloverfield Bad Robot, Three. JJ Abrams Studios. Yes. Yeah. And um, over the last couple of months, there have been a lot of conversations about what was up with with Cloverfield God Particle, whatever it was going to be called. For a while, it was going to be called Cloverfield Station, I believe. Then out of nowhere, pretty much last night. Sorry, I should have said this earlier. If you don't want to hear anything about Cloverfield Paradox, you should just go ahead and watch it and you skip this part. The, the, the backstory, really, that you need to know is that it was a Paramount movie. Paramount went through a leadership change. Jim Giannopoulos is in charge of Paramount. And by all accounts, according to The Hollywood Reporter, um, looked at the slate of movies that he had, decided which ones were basically worth, worth spending money on in theatrical release, and the ones that he decided otherwise, whether it was Annihilation, which is getting offloaded for the most part to Netflix, but will be released in theaters here. It's crazy. But We're so it, they are doing a movie. very strange job marketing that movie, frankly. And, or Cloverfield 3, which they just started moving the date around. So it was supposed to be last year, then it was this February, then it was April. There was rumors that J.J. Abrams was... Purposely causing all this confusion because he had some wild release schedule idea for mm-hmm. it. But um, last night during the Super Bowl, ad for the movie, 
immediately after the game, available on Netflix. Fantastic idea. Great idea. Everybody wants to watch something after the Super Bowl. Maybe you're not caught up on This Is Us, whatever. Bang, it's right there. I watched this last night. For wow. that very reason, my wife got very excited. We loved she the did. two Cloverfield movies, and I needed something to kind of like chill out. So I watched Cloverfield Paradox last night, and this movie was not ready to be released. It's wow. like 100% not ready to go. It was, whether it was visually, which it was cool, but nowhere near on par of what you would expect from a bad robot sci-fi movie, mm-hmm. uh, especially one in the Cloverfield uh, like um, uh, you know, universe, mm-hmm. and also the the story was being stretched in a hundred different directions, tonally and narratively. One of the reasons that it's really screwed up is that they are really bending over backwards to make this a Cloverfield movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's that. Um, there's a ton of talent involved in this. It's right. almost galling how many great people are in the movie who uh, you just can't believe that a movie with uh, with Gugu and Batha Raw and, and David Oello and 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 Elizabeth Debicki and Chris O'Dowd and Daniel Bruhl and really? all these people. You're this just like, team. this is an incredible cast and the director seems really talented and it's overseen by J.J. Abrams. Yeah. And yet there's like a comedy in the middle of it it's a disaster movie for some of it. It's kind of a weird event horizon sci-fi thriller for some of it. And then at the end, it's like Bang Cloverfield. Like, and I, like I'm not talking about it in terms of spoilers so much as this was a really mishandled uh, movie. And it, I, I feel really bad for all the people who probably worked really hard on it because I feel like it was a victim of things beyond its control, both on the bad robot Mm -hmm. side and on the Paramount side. Do you think, I guess my first question is, do you think that the director and bad robot can now just low-key keep tinkering on it, like Kanye with Life of Pablo? Like the way that kept changing on title because he kept changing his mind? Yeah, well, I feel like Mm -hmm. there is a plot line in this movie Mm -hmm. that was shot later to retcon it into the Cloverfield world. Yeah. And it feels like it. It takes place quite obviously on two sets. Yes. And is like, it's really weird. How, like the, 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 the and there's a lot of like, wait, is this taking place in England? So how is he going to get to Phila- like Philadelphia? You know, Philadelphia? No, it, he's going to go to Delaware, but there's like a girl from Philadelphia. And you're like, why is she in England? Like, what is happening here? A like, lot of Eagle fans in Delaware. And there's a lot of time, there's a lot of space time splits so you can make it up for that. But essentially this movie is trying to explain how the monster came about. And it's- a mon- I've never seen a Cloverfield movie. So why not? Is it because it's too scary or because you just have no interest? I just missed I, I'd like to see them now. They sound cool. <laughs> I honestly just, I'd never, I missed it. What do you think about this idea that we can put out blockbusters with no warning? I think it's, I think this is, I think this entire thing was brilliant. I really admire it. Um, I think that. Even if it's a misdirection for this movie. Yes. Bad. Well, that's, I'm partly, my, part of my, 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 the credit I'm giving it is for that reason. There are a lot of things that we accept about the movie business or the entertainment business, and particularly in movies, one of them is that when a disaster starts to come into view, there is nothing really you can do about it. You can patch holes in it. You can rewrite it. You can reshoot it. You can re-edit it. You can push it on the release schedule. You can try and hide it. But people know. People know when there's a problem. And bad movies are bad movies. And it's not like when uh, a TV show has a bad episode and you can bounce back from it. What, has been, what hasn't been possible, really, you can change all those things, but you can't change the conversation. You can't change what something is. Now you can. Mm-hmm. For a studio to say, no, this is bad business for us, 
But for Netflix to not, it's not, Netflix is not buying distressed assets here. This is not Bain Capital. Netflix saw a huge opportunity in a brilliant way. What is a money losing disaster for potentially, we don't know, for Paramount. Gets a, them into business a bad robot in a big way. But it's also a slam dunk yeah. for Netflix because everything changes. Your expectation changes. It becomes, this could be something fun. So it doesn't fun. matter if the movie's good or not? This could be something fun to watch on a night when people are watching television. Mm-hmm. To do it on the Super Bowl, to snatch the post-Super Bowl slot from NBC while advertising on NBC is savage, a sign of what Netflix is going to be doing to the, the broadcast networks for the next five years, 10 years if the networks survive that long. I really admire it. It changes what it is. Um, There's a couple of things that the, you can tell with movies when, if you, if you, here's how to spot a movie in trouble. Yeah. And it, beyond just like, oh, we haven't seen any of Han Solo yet, what's up with that? When you see the movie, if there is an incessant score that seems incongruous with the mm-hmm. action on screen, yep. the, Bear McCreary does really good work in all like in a lot of different things. I love his music for Battlestar Galactica. Like that guy's really great. I don't know wh- when he was brought into this process, but basically the music is nonstop and is it never lets any human moment in this movie breathe for more than a second. Then you can always tell that there's something up when. There are massive tonal shifts within the movie, yeah. and it turns into a Chris O'Dowd comedy mm-hmm. for about 30 minutes. Yeah, because they were, let's try this. Or they were like, this movie is scanning too dark. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that there are some one-liners in here to put in the trailer or something. That's also a sign of too many cooks in the edit suite. Yes, right. Then you can also tell something happened to a movie when parts of the plot that are on Wikipedia aren't in the movie. I, I give you another one, voiceover. Yeah. If there's a lot of voiceover, if voiceover literally yada yadas things that otherwise would be shot in yeah. a screenplay or movie. That's another way to tell. I don't know if there's voiceover in now, this, but it's a good tell. Google's really good in this movie, yeah. I thought. There's also some really, really powerful emotional quagmires in mm-hmm. the movie, like some really like difficult questions that it asks about what you would do if put in this position, but it just never really invests in it. It's almost too ensemble It's all over the place trying to check in on people. So... That's some things to look for. Here's another theory that I have about why this movie was rushed up. Mm-hmm. Cloverfield 4 is apparently in the can. It's called Overlord. It stars Wyatt Russell. Uh, Wyatt Russell was going to shoot this movie when Sam Shuby interviewed him last year, I think, for... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was the base, the original like, later baseball movie. I can't even remember. Mm-hmm. But we did a profile on Wyatt Russell, and he was on his way to Germany to film this movie. Oh, this is the World War. It's called Overlord. Yeah. I and don't know. Do we know that's a Cloverfield movie? I believe that it is not confirmed yet, but that it, it is getting brought in. And this is the tagline for it. On the eve of D-Day, American paratroopers are dropped behind enemy lines to carry out a mission crucial to the invasion's success. But as they approach their target, they begin to realize there is more going on in this Nazi-occupied village than a simple let, military operation. So let me jump in here for one Nazi second. Nazi zombies. Possibly. The thing to remember going forward, it may well be a Cloverfield movie, but the thing to remember just to, to pull back to the macro vision, version of the business, um, Bad Robot as a studio or not mini studio production company whatever they are at mm-hmm. this point they want cloverfield movies that don't necess- that doesn't necessarily mean they want movies that tie into the cloverfield mythology um the envy of the business in a lot of ways is blumhouse because blumhouse has found a way to sort of uh, gaming the system makes mm-hmm. it sound cheap they identified a market inefficiency and exploited it you know they found a genre of movies usually horror um that isn't that expensive to make, is reliably popular, even whether it's incredible or whether it's just okay. 
and they churn them out. They make them cheaply and they let people be creative in them. And then they have this relationship with Universal where if the movie is exceptional and deserves to go bigger, goes, like, like Get Out, yeah. it goes big. Right. But they make a lot of movies that just sort of go away. I watch all of them, yeah. And uh, and that works for them. Bad Robot is a unique case because it's you know it's J.J. Abrams, it started as his vanity shingle, as his company. Right. But Bad Robot got upstream to the very, very highest level of the business because they were making Mission Impossible suddenly, making Star, Star Wars yeah. and Star Trek. Um, Part of the company's DNA, though, is doing something smaller. And uh, and people who have had meetings over there know that what they want is what is the small, what is the A-plus version of a Mm B-movie, which is exactly what Blumhouse does. Now, I agree with you. But part of the reason why the first two Cloverfield movies are so successful is mm -hmm. exactly what you're talking about. The first one is a found footage monster movie where Mm -hmm. you only see the monster fleetingly. Mm -hmm. And the second one is basically a kidnapping movie where the monsters are revealed at the very end, right towards the very like last few minutes right. of the last act of the movie, um, they're largely successful because they adhere to limited perspective mm-hmm. of the characters. This movie is your standard fair Event Horizon Armageddon ensemble cast. Everybody gets their shot. It's a big movie. Everything is being every line of dialogue is expository. Every th- time you turn around, there's another CNN broadcast on the deck of the mm. spaceship telling you what's going on on Earth. I feel like what they wanted from Cloverfield Paradox was to connect the movies, Mm -hmm. was to create a world where there has been a space-time rupture that caused monsters to come to life and attack the world, and the world is dealing with that aftermath. Um, Overlord is more in line with what you're saying, which is, what if we took a cool... Mission, World War II mission movie and added a Cloverfield yep. element to yes. it. And I can't wait to see that movie. Regardless yeah, of whether I couldn't it's wait to see, you know, Cloverfield yeah. Paradox. But I think that they shot their shot on Clo- Cloverfield Paradox, Cloverfield Station, God Particle, whatever you want to call it, because I think that they were, th- it feels like they were like, this could open up the whole thing. Yes. This could be the, this could be our jump to the big leagues. I think that's accurate. This, this could be I, the Cloverfieldpedia. What's interesting about Bad Robot as a company to watch going forward is that J.J. Abrams' DNA is still to tinker. You know, he he is. It's to keep things in the dark. But also do the Spielberg. But also the Spielberg model of like origin story, where he likes to make movies in his backyard. Like when I've been over to their offices, they pointed out to me where in the second floor they filmed some of episode uh, episode seven. Mm-hmm. Like he will do reshoots in their office building, sure. you know, because you can do that now. What, what's interesting is that if his instincts are still to be, I'm still making movies in my backyard, but his business model suddenly became, I'm making Star Wars, how do you bridge that divide? It's possible that God Particle was an attempt to sort of be both, but the Netflix decision shows that in the new media economy, maybe this, maybe being in the middle between those places will actually work. Maybe you can make movies straight down the middle and then at a certain point pivot. They're big projects or little projects. Maybe you don't have to decide well, you at know the what? beginning. Honestly, it's it to go back to the Kanye, you know, analogy you were using. There's no reason why they couldn't fix this movie. Yes. If Netflix is like, why don't we do a new version of this or go do an extended version of this? Because it does feel truncated. I don't know. It's not the weirdest thing I ever it, heard. It's just really, I think the really significant thing here is to remember that. Um, as Netflix announced it was getting into movies, the movie business's response was uh, obviously they felt they felt disrupted to use the language of the time. But I think a lot of filmmakers' concern was you are taking something that is unique, 
which is going to the movies and turning it literally into television mm-hmm. in that it's just something maybe you have if you feel like it and you can pause it and walk away from it or it's not it, it's not a memorable experience it's shortening it's it's cheapening that experience yes. to some degree what this movie may represent is the movie studios realizing that this can be a good thing for them yeah. that they can turn a problem into a success by by partnering with Netflix like I don't know if the, the Meyerowitz stories make sense on Netflix or if it makes sense in the art house cinemas. I don't know if Bright makes sense, period. Right. But let's, you know, but buying up this problem and turning it into a huge slam dunk win, I really think so. I mean, I think that obviously- I'd be curious to of, know what your sentiment was if you saw it. Well, I'm just purely going- No, yeah, I know. Exactly. I'm just saying like once you see it, I'd be curious to know whether you were like, whoa. No, I mean- They I'm, really did everybody a disservice in this movie, in this, yes, involved listen, in this movie to put the this way out. I'm, I'm talking about this as if I was talking about the Super Bowl being like, Jeffrey Lurie's business interest <laughs> triumphed last night yeah, in a way that I'm rooting yeah. for. I'm definitely owner talk right here, yeah. which is not generally how I engage, like to engage with stuff. But, uh, you know, we saw, there's a big ad for Hulu last night for Castle Rock, which looks really cool, incredible cast. Amazon had an ad with, with your man Bezos stepping in front of the camera. Um, pulling in a lot of star power. And then Netflix, in some ways, uh, wins it all. Like, these companies are... are they certainly won the post-game conversation. These companies are going to war, and they all had a footprint on the game last night, and, uh, and Netflix won. Okay, we'll be back on Thursday. Andy's out for that one. Probably do a ringer staff recommends for that Thursday. Let's, uh, let's pretend that I'm not going to be here because I'm going to be let, on a parade float. Let's, let's emotionally, you will be. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Go Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Ranskis. We won the Super Bowl. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Again, I cannot tell you how much I have been loving Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight helps you book amazing hotel deals at great hotels. And even though the name is Hotel Tonight, you can book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. They work with cool top-rated hotels and don't feature those long, endless lists of options that you have to scroll through. Instead, they show you a select list of the best deals at the best hotels at any given time. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. Download the Hotel Tonight app now. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by the Showtime hit series Homeland. The show with its finger on the pulse returns for a new season. Abuses of power, civil unrest, agents and double agents. Isolated from the White House and the CIA, Carrie Matheson finds herself with few resources and many disbelievers as she tries to prove that not all conspiracies are theories. Homeland returns with new episodes Sunday at 9 p.m. Download the Showtime app now to start your free trial.